All right, welcome back for another week in another edition and episode 31 of 21st Century Rocker Mom Podcast. I'm happy to be back with you after a week. It's been a fun week. It's been a good week actually researching the paranormal because it's 31, episode 31. 31 is, it's the day of Halloween. It's spooky. Turned around backward, it's 13. And we just passed Friday the 13th. So I thought I would delve into something a little bit spookier than I usually do as the weather gets cooler and we get into my favorite season, which is the fall or the autumn. We start coming up with that equinox and everyone gets back to school and all that business. We we have we have Halloween coming up and, you know, the days get longer, the nights kind of things kind of get darker quicker and your mind starts playing some tricks on you. So why not? Talk about something a little bit more spooky. So why not cuddle in and get close for some stories of the paranormal and maybe the supernatural, some hauntings and everything, you know, nightmare inducing that's in between. Because why, why the fuck not? It's fun. It's fun to get scared. Why do we like to get scared? I know why I like to get scared. I like that rush of like adrenaline. A lot of people, that's, that's the reason behind loving to get scared. For me, that's the reason. I don't know. Why do you like to get scared? You know, come at me. Let me know why you like to get scared. For me, it's just like I say, it's that sudden rush of adrenaline. I remember going years ago to the the Halloween haunt at Canada's Wonderland. And I'm one of those people that's like a fucking sucker for jump scares. This is years and years ago before we had kids. So I went with a bunch of girlfriends of mine and they're like significant others at the time. And like all the girls, we all smoked pot before we went and we got super stoned, I remember. And we went to the Halloween haunt. So that's in here in Canada. If no one's ever heard of Canada's Wonderland, I mean, look it up. But it's a, it's a Cedar Point type sort of place, if you're familiar with that amusement park. But at night, around fall time, they enchanted up. The whole park's really fucking scary. And they have actors, like, everywhere around there to scare the shit out of you. And enchant the whole park and make everything look scary. And all the rides have been, like, enchanted and haunted. So they have, like one attraction called blood on the bayou it's like a haunted old cabin on the bayou in new orleans and they have club blood and it's vampires very like you know blade style scary things like that so i remember one year going to that and literally like having this shit scared out of me going through one of these mazes it was called corn stalkers and it was a corn maze and all of a sudden there were like corn scarecrows that would like come off of like the the corn fences and the corn stalks and chase you and i just ran through it like fucking screaming the girls i was with were pissing themselves laughing they thought it was fucking hilarious they're like oh tanya's scared again so that scared the shit out of me my most recent like huge scare was i went with my entire family right before the pandemic actually started shutting everything down the march before everything kind of shut down in canada <clears throat> that january we had gone to disney world in 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 florida Florida and my son who was like five at the time oh my god was he even cool? yeah he was just five at the time he <laughs> somehow talked me into going on the Hollywood Tower of Terror in Hollywood Studios which is like a ride that like takes you through this like Twilight Zone sort of story where it scares you about this haunted hotel and you see some apparitions and then it takes you into this like depth perception sensory fuck fest where you don't know where the fuck you are and it's just like stars all around you and then they drop your motherfucking ass out like a million stories of windows and then they bring you up again and then they drop your ass again and it's like it's fucking horrifying and before like he already went on the ride with it like with his dad with rob so like they'd gone before and he looked a little scared when he got off but rob and i switched rob took the baby and I took our son up and he just kind of like was calm with me the whole way like up the elevator like going through like Freddy Krueger's like fucking boiler room all the way up to this fucking elevator and if you've ever been to Orlando and been to to Disney World there it's fucking scary that Hollywood Tower of Terror I don't give a fuck what anyone says that shit scared me so he brings me we go all the way up to this elevator and then they, they strap us into these seats and he literally looks over at me and it's just us he's the only child on here but he's tall so he looks at me and just goes mom i'm like yeah he's like you're screwed i'm like oh that fills me full of confidence young man so they took us up and then like they when they dropped us i thought i was gonna die like i screamed fuck so loud i've never felt like such a horrible mother because, like, he never heard me scream the F word. I'm sure he, like, heard it in passing, maybe here and there, a few little pepperings of P's and Q's, but not... 
I try to keep my swearing away from my kids. That's why they're always like, can we listen to your pod? Well, the eldest one's always like, can I listen to your podcast? And I'm just like, <clears throat> hard no there, bucko. No, like you can't fucking listen to it. There's no way. Sorry, bro. Like I don't even record it when you're around. So no, the answer is fuck no. So that, those are some recent things that happened to be that are scary. Those things scare me. Amusement park rides scare the shit out of me. But I mean, other things that scare the shit out of me fascinate me. And this brings me to my obsession, my Amityville obsession. I am absolutely uh, like fascinated and obsessed with Amityville. I started reading the novel. I actually read the novel when I was about 13. That book, it was written by Jay Anson. It scared the living shit out of me. I remember... I bought a copy of it, like a used copy at a thrift store up by my childhood cottage. And that was just outside of Bayfield, Ontario. It was a quarter. It was like 25 cents. The book looked barely used, but I mean, it smelled used. You all know what a bear, like a, like a, a used book smell, like smells like. It just, it smells good. Like I love the smell of a book. It's, yeah, I can read whatever I want on my tablet. Or I can read on like to have the audible book read to me and be a lazy bitch. Sometimes you got to be a lazy bitch when you're in the car and you got to just have an audiobook read to you or I'm having one of those things just or I'm listening to a podcast because I don't want to read something while I'm in the car, obviously, because I have to fucking drive. So, you know, but I really like when I like to read, I like to read the paper copy of the book. Maybe I'm just a snob like that, but I like the feel of the book. I like the smell of the book. It's very, it's a, it's an experience for me. It's, it's sexy. I love it. This particular sexy book was 25 cents. It cost me a, a, a half of a phone call these days. If you could ever find a fucking payphone, And I delved right into it at the cottage. And I remember it was like, I finished it in the afternoon. And that night there was like a horrible fucking storm in the cottage. So like... I just, like, I ate the book. Like, I couldn't have gotten through the book faster if I ate the pages and absorbed the knowledge. I liked the book so much. So I was, like, ready to just, like, talk about this to anyone who would listen. But, like, I, I was scared shitless. I was making pencil notes in the margin because, obviously, nerd alert. I have, like, four or five copies of this book now. I thought I had two. I looked and through further inspection, I found out that I have four or five copies of this book Two of them have copies of, like, two of the copies of them have, like, pencil notes, like, in the, in the ledgers and, like, in the, in the pages. There's little notes of things because nerd alert, nerd alert, that's me. I make notes in books. I have notebooks everywhere. Like I say, I'm a pen to paper girl. Even when I do podcasts, like, I've got sheets all over the fucking place. No one would know what they meant, but I do. If you don't know the story of Amityville, if you are not as as crazy as I am about this. Amityville was actually really scary. It happened in real life, IRL, for the for the new kids, for the cool kids. Amityville, in 1974, a family of seven very quickly became a family of one on one very fateful night. Ronnie, Ronald Jr., Butch DeFeo, in 1974, he would be... Uh, the murderer of his entire family, the patriarch of their family, Ronald Sr., the dad, he wasn't the nicest guy. It was a big, big family. Now, Butch was the eldest, the son, Ronald Jr., which was the eldest of all the kids. And uh, like I said, it was a family of seven, so it was a large family. And Butch started kind of drinking hard and doing a lot of dope to kind of deal with the shit that was going on with his dad and stuff at home. And there'd been rumors that he'd been violent with his own family and things like that and kind of taking his shit out on his family and then one night he kind of came home from a bar or something of that nature november 13th 1974 rifle in hand ronald ronnie butch defeo went from room to room for 15 minutes no one woke up in 15 minutes and shot his entire fucking family to death with a shotgun now the shotgun had no silencer on it in the 15-minute killing spree he went on, no one woke up. There were no signs of struggle. Everyone was face down, kind of execution style, in their bed. Reports from the neighbors were that they heard absolutely nothing. After he did this, I guess he took a bath. He got dressed for work. You know, he went to work. He come back from work the next day. He kind of said he lied to the police and kind of said, oh, the mafia. I discovered this. The mafia actually made me do this. They held a gun to my head and forced me to kill my family. But then he finally admitted, you know, I did it. 
But then when he was in custody, he said something interesting saying, you know, once I started killing my family, I couldn't stop. It just went so fast. So in court, they kind of argued an insanity plea with him that he was hearing voices. Who knows if that was from the drugs or if there was other things at work. But he was counted guilty, 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 guilty with six counts of murder, which he's currently serving his consecutive sentences for. But just under a year after this happened with the DeFeos, high hopes, high hopes, the next family came along, came along, came along. It was George and Kathy Lutz. They came along. 1975. And this giant Dutch colonial house. The six-bedroom, beautiful home. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but if you, you've got a chance to look it up, the house in Amityville, it's beautiful. It's got a boathouse. It had a heated pool. Six bedrooms, tons of bathrooms, lots of space, big piece of property. So in the 70s, this was a huge property. Now, George and Kathy Lutz only had a you know thirty dollars to $40,000 budget. But for a house like this, for this size, where they were in New York there in Long Island... $80,000 sounded like the price is right. And had there been a tragedy that happened there? Had a family been fucking totally slaughtered there? Yeah. But did George and Kathy give a fuck? No. George and Kathy gave zero fucks. And they bought the fucking house anyway. And they moved in with three children. So their dream house very quickly became a nightmare. Uh, according to especially writer Jay Anson, who did pen the Amityville Horror, the book which documented which had gone what had gone on in the book. And I will tell you, the book documented, like I always say, what had gone on in the book has been documented. Like they documented what had gone on in the house, rather. And he had a heart attack, Jay Anson, actually, strangely enough, after... Writing the book, The Amityville Horror, he kind of claimed that nothing really weird happened to him. Because everyone's like, oh, anyone connected to Amityville had something weird happen to them. He's like, nothing happened to me that was weird. He, after he wrote the book, he had a heart attack. He will swear up and down it had nothing to do with writing the book. Even though his manuscript got into hands of every the person his manuscript of the Amity Horror, Amityville Horror book got into, every hand, something happened. A mother and her child were like in an accident who had the, the, the manuscript in their trunk. Uh, one lady he gave the manuscript to burned to death in a fire the day she got the manuscript. And the only thing left in the manuscript, like in the rubble, was with the manuscript. It was, it was unburned. So lots of weird things surrounding Amityville. But obviously with the, with the, the Feos being dead and then the Lutz is moving into the house... They didn't realize right away that their dream home was a nightmare until, like, certain things started happening. Now, George Lutz, the dad, he was a physical laborer, so he worked really, really, really hard. And he was a hard worker, but from moving into the house, he started to change. He had a personality change. He didn't want to go to work. He felt cold and sluggish and tired and grumpy, and he was waking up at 3.15 a.m. every morning, I guess, you know, middle of the night, what he didn't know was at 3.15, that was the time that the DeFeo murders happened. Now, George Lutz reports walking past his daughter's room and seeing her at the window with the, like a pig's face in the windows with red eyes. And then going to the window and being scared for his daughter and, and going to kind of clutch her up and then just seeing the daughter in the bed. And then a few days later... The little girl talking about a pig that she was playing with named Jody. So he'd see his wife in the house. Doors would rip off. When he'd see his wife in the house, he'd see her aging in different rooms. Hinges would fly off. Flies would be all over the window. In the middle of winter, there was a secret room. There was a, this is really interesting in the history of Amityville. Not included on the blueprints. And this was actually found out by some people we'll get to soon. The Warrens. Two of my favorite people in the occult world. There was a secret room. And it was not on the original blueprints of the house. They never found it. But it was in the basement. And they even tried to get the dog to go down there. And it wouldn't. It was a secret room. It was painted like a, like a blood, blood red. And it was in the basement. It was small enough to fit two people. Very, very close, close together. And it had a very distinct smell. It was reported. Anyone who got in there had a had it like they had a smell had a smell about it one of rotting flesh people will say someone will say like pennies like blood like iron any priests that were involved in the house there were many um 
between the movies, I guess, and the and the and the book and real life accounts, priests that were involved with this got illnesses and had things happen to them. After 28 days of all this bullshit happening to them, the Lutz family literally packed up their shit and fucking left. They didn't know that they were going to be leaving their stuff behind forever. But I guess they kind of had to leave things behind forever because when you're in a house and things are starting to harm your family and this was their account of it, they they got out. And this here started my fascination with Ed and Lorraine Warren because it was around this time that they had got involved and this is the first time I'd heard their names mentioned because I was young when I started hearing about this. So Ed and Lorraine Warren, they're kind of the rock stars of the demonology world. They're self-professed demonologists. She's a bit of a medium he works with demonology as well as the church. They both, you know, are pretty, f they hold on to their faith pretty tightly and have strong affiliations and strong ties to the spirit world and the occult. Like I say, they, most people know about Ed and Lorraine Warren, sadly, because of films, honestly, because of like movies like Annabelle and The Conjuring and The Devil Made Me Do It and things like that. And that's why they know about those kinds of people but the reason i know about <laughs> ed and lorraine warren is because because of amityville that's when they were introduced to me in 1974 after in 1975 rather after after the lutzes fled they were called in and they could feel they could feel presence there and lorraine warren felt presences in the house and if you haven't read the book you really should it is an amazing book an amazing 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 book the actual stories of ed and lorraine warren and the actual case files of ed and lorraine warren are actually so scary to be honest in my opinion that most of them couldn't be really made into books like the conjuring if you saw if you saw the movie the conjuring is that movie with the the noose hanging on the front of it it's scary because it's based on a true story and that is from case files of of ed and lorraine warren and uh, that's actually about the witch of Harrisville. So this family, the Perrin family, moved into a home that was actually known as the Arnold Estate. If you went back, back, back into family records, they moved into the Arnold Estate. And Andrea Perrin, who was actually one of the daughters of the Perrins, she was a consultant on the Conjuring film. And she kind of, they had to dumb down the movie. Like even James Wan was kind of like, what can I do to get a PG-13 rating on this movie and warner brothers was like nothing it's fucking too scary like it's it's fucking scary as fuck and i mean it is a scary movie but what actually happened in real life is really scary the house was essentially haunted they moved into this house and then and the minute they they moved into this house things started happening around the house things started happening to their mother she was she was hurt by like a demonic possession the children started hearing things around the house things started disappearing things started moving there was a smell of rotting flesh in the house um the mother caroline perrin would get into excruciating pain she'd have bruises on her body it looked like needles poked her she was being pinched and tormented by something so when they went back into the history of this property and whoever kind of owned it before it was like the arnold estate and with the arnold estate one of the mothers or the grandmothers, it turned out that she hung herself in the barn at 93 years old. And apparently a lot of women had hung themselves on the property in, in the history of the property. There were soldiers buried in the wall, apparently, on the property as well. So that's kind of scary. And probably one of the scariest things of all is that uh, the house was actually apparently cursed. The whole entire property was apparently cursed by a witch apparently named Bathsheba. Not a good witch. I'm talking like a bad witch. A really bad witch who wanted to bring death and suffering on everyone in the house because this woman had lived in the house and she apparently had killed an infant while it was in her care. Apparently she had done something absolutely horrible to it and uh, something had happened to the infant in the pantry. Now she was acquitted, Bathsheba, of all these charges. Bathsheba, Bathsheba Shaman. She was acquitted of all these charges against this infinite and cruelty. However, she put a curse upon the house, it says. They say she put a curse upon the house that anyone who lived there would suffer and die. And um, like I say, it wasn't a good situation there in that house. 
um, a lot of bad things went on. So, like I say, what happened in real life with a lot of the, the Warrens was really scary. They had some books that came out. And uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren actually did books about, like, a case like a case file books. And you can find them. They're called Ghost Tracks. They're find case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. And they work with a writer named Cheryl A. Wicks. And they're actually amazing. They've got some graveyard truths and ghost hunters. And there's one about a werewolf. And there's one in a dark place. I have read uh, probably most of them to, to date, I would say. They're really good. Like, if you want to get in, if you like Ed and Lorraine born <laughs> you can check it out you can look out like i know probably people saw the movie the haunting in connecticut that actually like happened um in connecticut there was a house there and like i say like a family moved into the house and they started experiencing signs of i guess a poltergeist i guess you would call it a poltergeist definitely a poltergeist in Connecticut. Um, it was a Snedker family. And like I say, they did make the movie about this, but they moved into this old house that actually ended up being a funeral home. Now, the funeral home, like a lot of people really thought that this particular case was a hoax. But Ed and Lorraine Warren quickly debunked that. Um, they moved into this home, this family, and unbeknownst to them, it used to be a funeral home, a funeral parlor. And the funeral director was later to found out to be a necrophiliac. So the sons that were actually living in the basement would claim that they'd see beings moving around, around and about the house. Other families and members that kind of called bullshit on the situation eventually saw them for themselves. And then there was a lot of weird phenomenons. This is things that they really couldn't put into the movie. Because Warner Brothers, again, like I say, would have had a shit if they would have done this. But there was a lot of claims that there were sexual assaults going on by demons. So after there was claims about sexual assaults and these sort of phenomenons, uh, Ed and Lorraine and Warren were called in. And while the story's been told, like through movies and everything, it was actually really different from what happened in real life. Like the Warner Brothers version was quite different. So their actual footage from that and the seances that they did are really, really scary. Really, really scary. Of course, they had the Donovans in the 70s. Haunted house there. You can look into that. The Smurl hauntings were really scary too. Obviously, there are many cases that the, the Warrens took care of that, that necessarily... I don't know if they were good or bad for them or good for their career or bad for their career because they seem to, with every... Every case, like every interview that I've watched with them, it seems like every case that they worked on kind of fouled them more. Like, I know that they suffered, like, health problems and mental problems and serious problems due to a lot of these things and a lot of these things that they were investigating and doing and making a lot of connections with a lot of these people really fouled them up. Um, I know the DeFeo murders screwed them up, but that was, you know, not till 1975. Like, there were things screwing them up but way, way way before then so that's you know it's really scary it's really really scary they investigated a place called the borley rectory in essex it's apparently supposed to be the most haunted place in the uk and in 1362 a monk was executed there after having like an affair with a nun and then his body was bricked in the walls because the nun i think got pregnant so i guess lorraine warren took a reporter there and the reporter was a bit of a skeptic we have a skeptic in our midst. And something hit the reporter. And so this was news to the reporter who was super skeptical. The reporter started saying that they couldn't breathe. They're like, I can't breathe. I can't, I can't be here. This is crazy. And I mean, up until all this kind of stuff happened, Ed Warren passed, unfortunately, in 2006. Lorraine, if I'm not wrong, passed in 2019. But prior to that, she was running the Warren Museum of the Occult, where you can actually, like, kind of go and check out all these different objects. I don't know if it's still open now. That's something to, to check out. One of the other cases that they uh, covered in 1981, which was most famously just released uh, as a movie called The Devil Made Me Do It, it was a case of uh, eight-year-old David Glatzel, who was possessed by a demon, according to them. He was exorcised. However, within the time that he was successfully exorcised, the demon fled into another body, Arnie, 
uh, a sister's boyfriend or brother, they speculated. In the movie, it is like a boyfriend. In the in text, they'll say it's the child's brother a lot of the times, or a family friend. So this, whatever it was, evil inhabited his body. He killed his landlord, and he was somebody else, people reported. The trial was an absolute media blitz. He got five years in jail for killing his landlord. But like I said, Ed and Lorraine Warren, it was the first time they actually had to uh, testify in court and prove that the devil was real and that they saw the devil and that the demon possession actually happened. So that was something that they really had to prove. That was crazy. And in this film, they, they focused on things like conduits and totems, witches' totems, not totem in the regular sense of the word, like the Ojibwe word, like a spirit being or like a sacred object or symbol, like the symbol of someone's family. These were witches' totems and these were sacred objects, conduits, like if you don't know what a conduit is, it's like a person or a thing that kind of acts as a channel of transmission of something. In Latin, it means to bring together. So totems and conduits and, you know, cursed objects and things like that are something that were brought up. And, you know, magical items connected to the spirit world. Because in the case of Ed and Lorraine Warren, it wasn't just that they studied hauntings and curses and possessions and... They did seances and exorcisms, but they also discussed all these objects. And this object in the in the in the nineteen eighty one haunting and, and possession of this child was was this conduit that was made by a witch that was uh, haunted. I won't ruin the case for you. You got to see this film if you have not seen it. It is really scary. It scared the fucking shit out of me. You want to watch something really scary? You could also watch Twin Peaks. I'm just putting that out there for you if you want to know. But there's been hauntings even here in my city, in the LDOT, in London, Ontario. I mean, we have Eldon House. And you can read all up about Eldon House. It's actually really scary. My kids, well, my eldest wanted to know about the story of Eldon House and Sarah and everything that kind of happened here. And I believe her name was Sarah. I don't know. I've toured Eldon House a million times, but during... Uh, Obviously, it's COVID times right now, so not going to Elden House anytime soon. But there are lots of horror stories and murder stories specifically connected to London, Ontario, which is really fucking weird. It's very, very strange to grow up in a city that seems pretty, like, small when you think about it on the map of grand things in the world. But so much has happened here. We've had so much murder connected to this city, and the city has such a dark history and such a dark past that it's pretty freaky, like, I've had my own kind of hauntings, but to me, like, spirit to me is spirit, so I've never had anything super scary, scary happen to me. I've had a lot of spirit, spiritual and spirit things happen to me, especially after people pass away. That's always one thing for me. I don't know if I'm sensitive to it or I may be just more aware of it. I don't know what it is. I remember when I was younger, I, when I was a teenager, I lost my Oma, my mom's mom. It was not a, it was not an easy loss for me. It's still not. And I'm almost 39 years old. It's been, you know, almost 20 years. It was not an easy loss for me. And I was struggling with it, like really, really, really hard. And I remember I had gone up to my cottage, which is somewhere that I spend a lot of time with her, to be perfectly honest, learning how to cook and garden and do all the things that I kind of love to do now. Dinking around in the garden making jam out of, you know, currants that we grew in our garden, digging potatoes, you know, getting down there in the dirt, growing tomatoes, making soup, you know, going fishing, you know, cleaning fish, doing like kind of domestic, but just like being outside. She, you know, she let me like rip on the lawnmower, you know, I was like 10. She'd let me go cut the grass as long as I had close-toed shoes on and she was watching me. You know, she was really a big figure in my life and losing her was really fucking hard. So something in the spirit world must have known that. So I'd gone up to the cottage and she had her room at our cottage. It was always Alma's room. And she always slept in her bed and she always slept on this one specific side on her side with her little night table there. So I shut the door and I went and slept in what had been like my room in the cottage. And the night thereof, like the night that I slept, I felt something kind of sit on the bed and I kind of had my eyes half open. I could see like the outline of something, but I wasn't scared and nothing really bothered me. It didn't seem like malevolent or anything and nothing said anything, but then it just got up and kind of walked away. 
And the next morning, I woke up and I looked in my Oma's bed. And sure enough, it looked like it had been slept in. Like the sheets on her side were all rumpled up and crumpled up. And there's no way that anything could happen. Like the cottage was locked. I wasn't with anybody. Like there's like no one was there. I have no explanation for it. The explanation is that I have no explanation. So there you go. But I like to think that she was she was with me. And I found it like to be really honestly a comforting experience, to be perfectly honest. I felt like she was with me and now I feel like I see her in, in different ways and I, I hold her in different ways. So to me, that was not like a haunting or anything scary like that. But I, I have friends, tons of friends who have experienced haunting and possessions and scary, scary experiences. I One really good friend of mine, also a huge Twin Peaks friend of mine. I met her through, through, through Kitty, actually. She's on a show on Netflix called Haunted. She's on the first season. And she's had her own experiences with being haunted by things. And like, honestly, listening to her experiences and friends who were around her and people and family around her at the time that she was haunted and she was going through these experiences is fucking horrifying what she had to endure. It's something you should check out. Haunted on Netflix. You should check it out. Like I say, we just had Friday the 13th. And obviously, I love Friday the 13th for a variety of reasons. I love the first like kind of eight Jason movies before they got kind of too crazy and ooky and freddy versus jason i mean all those movies have their place and they're fun and spooky and splattery but some of them got really silly i love like jason lives i love jason takes manhattan those are the kind of movies that i love i also love friday the 13th not just the series but i love it for the superstition i swear to god so many things were like fucked up for me on friday the 13th I was like trying to change my my son's diabetes monitor and like shit got in, stuck inside something else. I was going to cut the grass and then like rainstorm. I was like, oh fuck, like just everything 13Z happened yesterday. It was crazy. But like also in some cultures, people think 13 is really lucky. In some cultures, it's considered to be extremely lucky. So I kind of just roll with it like it's any other day, but I celebrated in the Jason way. I watched some Jason movies I ate my face off and I eventually passed out from a food coma, but it was, it was totally worth it watching the Jason movies and all the, the fun stuff that comes along with Camp Crystal Lake and Camp Blood. And we watched the first one. I watched Jason Lives. I, I don't even know what else I watched. There was a lot going on for Friday the 13th. Now, I will tell you, there is one thing I'm afraid of. I'm not too afraid of you know, the Jason movies or anything like that. I am afraid, though, of Ouija boards. Not too long ago, a day or two ago, I put in my questions in my stories, my Instagram stories, if anyone had ever used a Ouija board. Now, a lot of people look at a Ouija board as, like, a game that they sell at Toys R Us. But I'd take the Ouija board, like, really fucking seriously, okay? Like, super fucking seriously. Like, we had a Ouija board at my cottage, I would not sleep in the cottage if the Ouija board was there. Like, I would make my mom, like, put it out in the shed. And I'd be like, fuck that. I'm not sleeping with that fucking Ouija board around me. Keep it away from me. I don't like it. It scares the shit out of me. On my pole, it was, like, 27% of people said they had, mm, yes, they had used one. And the 73% of people said, or whatever the other number is, <laughs> 27? Yeah, 27 and 73. 73% said no, they hadn't used one. And 27% said yes, they had used one. Sorry. That was the actual statistic. Now that the poll's been up for a few days, it's a little bit more balanced. It's getting closer to 50-50, but more on the side of people who have not used one. It was only like 55% of people who have, who have used a Ouija board. Because to me personally, I don't want to go fucking around with shit in the spirit world that I don't know what it fucking is. I have had my own personal experiences with Ouija boards. That is why I don't use them. That is why I don't think they're a toy. I will not buy one for my children at Toys R Us because fuck that. I don't want to be conjuring up some bullshit. I've seen all the Ouija movies. They fuck, they fucking scare me, man. That shit is scary. I believe that Ouija boards can be at some point if used improperly and disrespectfully like a portal to something you probably don't want to fuck with. So, yeah, that Ouija boards, yeah, that's not, that's not my jam. 
I've had a good week, you know, again, you know, catching up with people that I haven't had a chance to catch up with in a while, just ranting and raving and hooting and hollering, having a good time, all on the phone because, you know, COVID, but my friends are all over the world, so I'm sending postcards fucking, like, everywhere this week. They're going all over the place, from, like, down under to up north, like, they're literally going fucking everywhere. They're going from Europe to Japan to... <laughs> to China, to England, to to America, lots of places. They're going, I mean, some are going, you know, down the road. But places are going, the postcards are going like hotcakes. Like, again, if you want a postcard, send me your address, DM me. I'm not going to send you my address and you won't get a return address because that's just weird. But I will happily send you a postcard to you or a P.O. box if you think it's weird that I need your address. But if you want a postcard, I got to have your address. I'm not going to come see you. Trust me. I don't like people that much. I will not be at your fucking doorstep. But you will have something in your mailbox from me. I have been talking to my friends, like I say, and we were talking about going on tour and what touring was like when we toured and sometimes, you know, roughing it and, you know, sleeping in different hotel rooms and sharing hotel rooms with other people. And when when you do share hotel rooms with other people, it's impossible to ignore things that are going on, like bodily functions. Like if someone's got to take a shit, it's going to happen. And everyone in a hotel room's going to smell it. But today, I got a question. I have a question for kids today in their paper mache. I have, I have a question for the kids today. Tell me if you know what this is. What is the courtesy flush? Does everyone, I know everyone my age probably knows what the fuck this is. Everyone who is not my age, who doesn't know what the courtesy flush is, probably knows what like poopery or just a drop or whatever those shit sprays are that they have now. Poopery is the spray you shit it and you put it in the toilet before you go poo. You drop your little devil's donuts or whatever they call it off at the, at the pool. And the stink cannot permeate the water. The bathroom doesn't smell like shit. No one knows you, you just did the shitty deed in there and you're safe. Your shit secrets are safe. But when you're on like tour with a bunch of people or you're sharing a room with a bunch of people, you know, you're going to a concert or something and you're like sharing a hotel room with like, you know, three other people, you know, like someone's going to take a shit and it's going to make that hotel room smell like, like shit. So what is the courtesy flush? The courtesy flush is when you sit down and while shitting, you start flushing when it comes out. So, like, when the poo's already out, before it starts stinking up the whole town, because you're stinking up the whole town. Uh, yeah. No, seriously. Poop will come from your bum. Then I'll run. But if you flush, do a courtesy flush as a courtesy to those around you while the poop is coming out, and then flush again, hopefully it's not as bad on everyone around you who is surrounded by all your shit and they're all up in their olfactory processes, all those little particulate matter of fecal fun. No, thank you. So that was the question of the week. We were talking about the courtesy flush and literally laughing our asses off being like, I, I don't think there are a lot of people left who know what the courtesy flush is. So that's what the courtesy flush is. So, I mean, fucking know it, do it. I'm not saying not to spend your money on poopery. I've bought it before. I wanted to see what that was like. I'll tell you. Does it smell like lemons when you take a shit? Probably not. It's, it's not natural. It's not natural. But it comes to, the, you know, it comes. It comes to the door. Amazon has it. Whatever. But the courtesy flush works in a pinch. Baby! What am I listening to? What am I listening to? Well, I'm obviously, I'm listening to a lot of Jenny Lewis still. Because I, I love Jenny Lewis. She was my, like, first, like, girl crush in, like, The Wizard with Fred Savage. Love it. I'm listening to Churches. I'm listening to a lot of We Are Pigs lately, my good friend S.J. Jones and friends, and all the different collabs that she's been she's been doing lately have been really interesting and fun. I'm listening to Nice Horse with my good friend Tara McLeod and friends. It's always fun and interesting and odd to end, just to end up listening to your friends' bands, but it's just like the inevitable was already being... I feel like I've been to bed with everybody in a band way, like not in a sex way. In the nicest way possible, like I said, it's like, Southwestern Ontario's biggest clusterfuck is the music scene. Like, we've all been in each other's bands, and we all play for each other, and we all sit in for each other. It's like a big old fam family. It's a band family. But like, I listen to that stuff. I've been watching a lot of documentaries, and as far as watching things go, things have gone from, like, science-y and, like, mushroom documentaries 
super good mushroom documentary on, uh, like I said, on Netflix. I talked about it a little bit on my Instagram. It's really good. But the content now is getting darker as September approaches. And October is around the corner. Darker content also calls for darker coffee. I am getting coffee from this company here. They're just down the street. They're called Deadly Grounds Coffee Canada. You can find them on Instagram. They're on Deadly Grounds Canada. I've posted about them on Instagram before. They have some great like horror themed coffees with some really fun art. I'm drinking one cup a day right now. Otherwise, it is a one-way ticket to fucking anxiety hell and back. They're really good, made in small batches, roasted really well. They're tasty. They're mostly medium roasts. I'm like drinking one right now called Griselda's Cauldron. Griselda, as you know, horror theme. We're talking about scary things today. Hilarious House of Frightenstein. Billy Van. Vincent Price. Made in Canada, the hilarious House of Frightenstein. Shot very cheaply down the road. I think in Chatham, I want to say. But uh, I could be wrong. Maybe Hamilton. But uh, again, beautiful. I've been uh, having Griselda's Cauldron. It's like a creme brulee flavor. It's been lovely. I also ordered one that was like a a Krampus flavor. It's like a spiced eggnog. Why am I drinking it in August? Because it's Christmas in August. I don't give a fuck. It can be Christmas whenever you want. If you want to drink it over ice... Uh, then I got, um, a toxic biscotti sort of flavor. It's like a caramel biscotti. It's fantastic. I've had their scream egg, which comes around Easter. It's like a cream egg, like a take on a cream egg. And I've also had their snickerdoodle or it's like a snickerdoodle one. It's got like a zombie girl ripping off someone's head on the front of it. It's great. It's great. It's good too. I like it. But these three flavors specifically that I ordered were really, really good. I really like them drinking their coffee. Other than that, what else am I drinking? I've been drinking some mushroom teas, not funny mushrooms. I'm serious. I cannot jive with those. If you want to do them cool, I don't judge, but I can't take hallucinogenic mushrooms. I don't do that. That scares the shit out of me. I don't drink alcohol. Like I say, I take that CBD oil and I put some CBDs in my bath and I drink those drinks, but mushrooms, unless they're the eating kind that Or like medicinal, not magical. Those ones just make you trip out and shit your pants. So hallucinogenic mushrooms are just like not for me. I feel like it fouls up my mind. It's an ego fuck. They give you anxiety. I did them when I was a teenager and they really fucked me up. So I've been drinking these mushroom teas from this uh, shop called the New New Age that again is up the road in kind of St. Thomas, Ontario. They were like a big forging wild situation there they got all kinds of different mushrooms reishi lion's mane different cordyceps uh chaga you name it i'm drinking lots of mushroom based coffees and dandelion based coffees i find they've been better for me i've been more chill because truly and honestly caffeine gives me a little bit of panic attack and for someone who already can't sleep what the fuck you know it's not good This week, I'm going to attempt to recreate the famous vegan Big McCandler that made me fucking fall over. That burger, like the night that I need to sleep, I'm not going to take anything to try to go to sleep. I'm just going to make this burger and I'm going to fall the fuck over. So good. Beyond meat. I'm Like I say, I'm going to make, if there's enough asking for it, I will make a tutorial on how to make this fucking burger because it's crazy. It's so good and it's so easy to make and it's vegan. If that floats your boat, you can do it with beef if it doesn't float your boat. If you don't do, if you don't do vegan and you do meat, just swap out the Beyond Meat like ground shit that I'm using and put in some ground beef or use ground turkey or use, use what you got. Use mashed potatoes. I don't give a fuck. Do what you got to do. I'm planning a return to Mystery Falls and the Ossible Conservation Area summer Quickly turns into fall, my favorite season, and the pumpkin spice bitch is coming out. I'm that bitch too. I know some of my bitches already got their pumpkin spice on. I'm not going to judge. I'm that bitch also. I fucking love pumpkin spice. Am I going to put it in my coffee and all the things? Yes, I fucking am because pumpkin spice season is coming. Time to put on the sweaters and stuff. I know summer's still here and I'm still soaking up every moment of it that I can beachiness and gardenness and grass and fun but i love the fall and i think it's nice it's more campfires for me and more fun things with the kids there's more fun things to do i i think honestly i don't mind that school's starting 
doing homeschool again this year, which is no skin off my banana. I freaking love it. I've got a straight A student all across the board. Parents bitch about homeschool. It may not be your, you know, bag, but it works here with me being at home with the children. It works awesome. So homeschooling for full time for this year. Class will be in session. School will not be out forever. I finished two more songs. That's fucking something. So that's cool. So maybe a 10 song album is actually what's going to happen. Like a little EP. Uh, instead of, you know, these one off me just releasing a single. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. Maybe I'll just release a single and see where that goes. And then maybe go try to go do a 10 song EP. I don't want to get too advantageous or crazy. Because when you try to do like too much and you bite off more than you can chew, that's what fucks like your productivity. Just do your little baby steps, baby steps to make the music. Do a Bob Wiley, do your baby steps. Come on, Dr. Leo Marvin, you goddamn son of a bitch. Like me and Gil just want to take our baby steps. Just do little songs at a time, little small pocket concerts just for you. But I think it's an album song like a 10 song album rather like I think it's I think that's doable I think that's a good aim people keep asking me about genre 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 do 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 and my answer is bum, 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 boom. I don't know my guess is as good as yours I don't really know where it will fit in like me I don't really want to put it in a box just like I don't like to be put in a fucking box it will be what it is and either you'll love it or you'll you'll hate it and there might be an in the middle but I think with music, there's mostly like a, it's like a black and white sort of idea with people. There's not like a lot of in the middle. There's not a lot of gray area. It's either you like it or you don't. And it's there's nothing wrong with that. You like what you like. There's nothing fucking wrong with that at all. So why not keep doing the things that you like? Like I say, I watched some great horror movies. I did watch and rewatch all the Conjuring movies and the Annabelle movies and different things like that and fun demonology movies. And Rob and I got to kind of like cuddle up and I got to be a, a scared little jerk and cuddle up for research like why not cuddle up for research I can't complain I get to have my snuggle buddy I get to have the shit scared out of me which I love I get to talk about the paranormal it's not horrible more spooky episodes are gonna be coming I think that I'm gonna continue the episode that we had on cults before and talk about a few other cults and a few more of my experiences in in the crazy darkness and the crazy things that happened to me because you gotta know. You gotta, like, I gotta talk about this. This is great. This is great to talk about. It's good for you to know. It's don't join a cult. It's, it's not good. It's just not good. It's not good for you. So I hope everyone's gonna enjoy the rest of their weekend, whatever's left of it. Go into Monday with that attitude, that Monday mindset, like you're gonna kick this week in the fucking face. Kick it in the face, kick it in the balls, kick it in the box, kick it in the ass. I don't care where you kick it. Just kick it and kick it. Kick it this week. Make sure this week is fucking kicking kicking you know where i'm gonna be this week i'm gonna be on my socials as usual probably doing weird shit my instagram you can always find me on instagram at 21st century rocker mom i will be there or be square generally not square you can find me at twitter tweeting tweet what 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 tweeting on twitter if i'm not banned at tanny candler every streaming site you possibly can find me on i am on if you just go to the link in my bio to anchor you can get me off Anchor, but I'm also I'm on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Find me or I will find you. Or you could do the smart thing like all the smart people do and subscribe to the YouTube channel because you never know what's going to pop up on Tanya Candler channel on YouTube. Just click subscribe. You'll get notifications. When I drop things, things are live. Sometimes when things come live, I will pop into the chat from time to time if I'm sitting there on a Sunday and something is going live and I've got, I've got my phone with me, I will from time to time pop into the chat so that is always a good reason to subscribe to youtube because sometimes i'm on there and i'll just sit there and and, and talk with you because ah you know me i'll talk to anybody unless you're really not nice or you're just a plain fucking like just a complete asshole and there aren't too many you know around so just be nice be good to each other don't start shit. I got some beard oil coming this week. I'm really excited for Wooly Wizard beard oil. This week, I haven't played roulette in a million years. And I feel horrible because I've been working my fucking balls off writing and getting ready for different series and things that are going on. And, you know, life gets busy. But looking forward to going to roulette back in the fall because obviously I can get back in the fall because things will slow down. 
kids will be going to bed earlier. It's not summertime. I can do things at, you know, nine o'clock at night. Wooly Wizard Roulette, if you want to check that on the internet. I always drop that on my socials, but I'm waiting for some beard oils and some soaps to come this week. I'm actually excited for, you know, local product, which I'm always excited for. So some caramel pipe tobacco, which is actually going to be done by the end of August. So if you have a beard and you're listening to this podcast and you like beard oil, get on Wooly Wizard Beard Co. and get yourself that caramel pipe tobacco before it's off the shelf for good for who, who knows how long. It's coming out of the regular rotation. And it's awesome. They've got it in butters and balms. And I like the oils. I can use them in my hair. And I give them to my lovely partner in crime, my better half, my other half, my, my Rob. And he can use it in his beautiful, majestic beard. And then obviously besides candles and such are going to deliver me some soaps and some body butter, which I'm excited to do. And uh, I'm going to drop some bread, I think, for my my good friends because I love those folks. And uh, I love sharing bread with my loves and my my friends and neighbors, even though, I mean, we're across the city from each other, closer than we are now, now that we moved to this cottage in the woods. It's quiet as fuck here. Like, I swear to God, I don't hear a fucking thing except goddamn crickets at night. It's beautiful. I'm calmer. I'm happier. All in all, it was a good move for everybody. The kids fucking love it. I hope you are loving what you're doing. I hope you're loving your day. I hope you're loving this podcast. And like I say, I hope you're subscribing. Click to subscribe. You'll you'll find things happening faster than I can keep up with them on social. So yeah, they come up on the YouTube channel. You get a, you get a little notification. You get a little bell that things are happening. Um, like I say, doing some streams coming up in the fall with some of my bearded friends about a few different subjects and obviously focusing on the music. A new piano is coming this week. So that's something to be really excited about. So piano songs and different things coming. Stay tuned, but more spooky things coming down the fucking pipe. I can't wait to just delve into my weirdness even deeper than I'm already delved into it. And, uh... Let's get even weirder together. I love you all. Have the most wonderful week. Thanks again for listening. Again, if you want a postcard, DM me with your address and I will send kindness mail to you. Toot sweet. I don't care where you live. I will get you a piece of mail. All right. I love you all. Thank you for listening. I will see you next week. I'll see you on the flip. Flip it, flip it, flip it, flop. Bye.